hmm, maybe I should stop that large man from abusing his little sister, or I should tell a teacher about it, or, you know. Yeah, if you did that, you'd be like, excuse me, why are you abusing your little sister? He'd be like, oh, she's not my sister. And they'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's fine then. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on, carry on. Probably. Have a nice day. Hello, and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is the weirdest or most creepy or annoying thing that a stranger has ever done to you, Mm -hmm. a la what happens to Nancy and Jonathan this episode. So I worked in retail for six months. So this will be better than any of ours. (laughs) And basically, where I worked, there's a loyalty card. Mm -hmm. And... Ask me if I have that loyalty card. So do I. <laughs> be like, yes, because this is my favorite store. And basically what happens is we can do returns without receipts, but you have to get it on a gift card. If you have your receipt, we can give you your money back as long as it's within 30 days. Mm-hmm. But if you have your loyalty card, it saves all of your receipts to the app. Okay, so if you don't have your receipt, you can look on the app and then you might have your receipt there and then you can get your money back. So convenient. Right. So this lady comes up and she's like, I would like to return this. Mm-hmm. I say, that's totally fine. Do you have your receipt? She said, no. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well then I have to put it on a gift card. And she said, that's fine. And I said, do you have a loyalty card? And she said, yes. And I said, well, you might want to check the app because you might have your receipt there. And she said, I don't have the app. I said, that's fine. I'll just give it to you on a gift card. She says, that's fine. So when I do a return without receipt, you have to like take their ID and put in their information into the thing. Mm -hmm. It's completely secure. But you have to do that because there are some people who are just constantly bringing back things without receipts and getting a bajillion gift cards. And if you do it too many times, you can get locked out of the system, basically. And so she says, why do you need that? And I explained that to her. And she says, I don't like that. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what to tell you. That's not my (laughs) problem. I just work here. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, well, this is what happens. She goes, okay, fine. So I do it. And then I hand her stuff back to her and I hand her the gift card. And she goes, why am I getting a gift card? <gasps> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I said, well, because you don't have your receipt. So I had to give it to you on a gift card. She's like, not only did I not get my money back, but I also had to give you my ID and you took all of my information. And anyway, she full on freaked out at me. because. <laughs> and then and then she go, I go, well, it's because you didn't have a receipt. And she, ha- she pulls up the app and goes, I have my receipt right here. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. And she so said like, she didn't have the app. I know. So I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you, you said that you didn't have the app. So I didn't know that you didn't have a receipt. She's like, I have my receipt and you didn't give me my money back and you took my ID. And um, so basically like, I don't, I wasn't upset that she had like gotten mad at me, but I started crying. Like I'm not in front of her, but I started crying afterwards anyway, just because I was so like surprised and like shocked. Didn't expect to be a attack today. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's why if you're mean to retail workers, I hate you and will call you out in front of other people. And so the thing that she was returning was a $4 bag of dog treats <laughs> that were open because her dog didn't like them. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what she was trying to return. Oh, the Karen behavior of yeah. it all. All of that over a $4 bag of dog treats? Yeah, that we couldn't sell again because they were open, so. What a piece of shit. It was $4, lady. Like, mm-hmm. go buy a mug instead and leave. Yeah. So, 
That's mine. <laughs> anyway, who are you? I'm so sorry. Uh, my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old lady. Lady who just stabbed herself. Ouch. That fucking hurt. She has some sharp tweezers. She does not yeah. have a meat cleaver. <laughs> what? Well, I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, Le- Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where you can be, f- where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And shut up. Yeah, <laughs> none of that went well. Um, <laughs> I'd say I've met in a, I've met in. Am I okay today? I've met an alarming amount of strangers, and they are all scary. That was actually very close to it. it was, I've met an alarming amount of strangers, It's, it's especially strange men. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite one is one that I met one time where I didn't voluntarily meet him. He followed me a few blocks while I was trying to walk home. And he said, hey. And I said, hey. And he goes, I like you. And I was like, did you follow me? And he was like, yeah, but just because I wanted to get to know you. And I was like, what no, What did you thank- learn from just following me? Yeah, I was like, no, thank you. And he was like, what? Like, no, we can just be friends. Like, we'll just be friends. I was like, I don't want to be your friend. He trapped me for 15 minutes trying to convince me to be his friend so that he could later make me not his friend. I was like, I've never met a person with less boundaries. That's, that's like my classic, like, this is why men shouldn't have right story. Is the time a guy tried to follow me home, I was 19. Mm -hmm. Classic. Yep. That's my story. It's not nearly as good as Robin's. I think we were all thinking it. And my name's Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I am a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Um, I have so many of these stories because I worked in retail for like two years. And you worked at a freaking video store. I worked in a video store. I worked in the video store that Robin and Steve get hired at at the end of season three of Riverdale. Of Riverdale. Stranger, Stranger oh Things. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I worked at that video store. And um, my most common uh, grievance with a stranger was, can you put a dollar on your late fee? And they're like, no. And they would yell at me for asking them to put a dollar on their late fees. But there was this one guy who, he over time became not a stranger because he was a regular at the store, but he would come in and like hit on me because I was, you know, Young a woman in a, in a place of employment and that's what men do. He would come in and he would hit on me and then like, this was like shortly after I had gotten hired. He would, he was a regular patron of our adult room at this video Ew. store and he his favorite um category genre, genre of <laughs> adult film was just turned 18 <gasps> and like things like that and um he asked like it was my birthday a couple months after I'd gotten hired and he asked like my boss or whatever like how old I was and I had just turned 20 and or 20 20 21 whatever I think he it was, was like that's too old yeah <laughs> Dead ass. He stopped speaking to me for two months. Wow. Because I had turned 20 and not 18. Wow. So. So when I say should men have rights, I sometimes really mean it. <laughs> yeah. But not really. Well, sometimes. Well, that was horrifying. Oh, <laughs> man. Come on. I knew the minute you picked this theme, I was like, these are going to be some uncomfortable stories. I also sit, was like sitting here thinking, I was like, hmm, 
should I tell the one about the guy who uh, cornered us at Safeway and told us that Justin Trudeau uh, invented oh, coronavirus? Yeah. Should I tell the one about the lady who stared Brittany down because she had a mask on and asked if she stole it from a nurse? She's like, you got an N95? I was like, no, I bought it for arts and crafts, bitch. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 204 of Stranger Things, Will the Wise. This episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons 1, 2, and 3 of Stranger Things. So Will the Wise is Will's D&D character name. Um, he's a wizard. And he's wise, I heard. Oh! I, I actually would say that about Will. So that's why uh, that's why that's called that. Yep. So I think before we start here, we're going to do some thoughts from listeners. Because we got one. Woohoo! From who? From Isra. I love her. Uh, okay, Isra, who's at Isra Glass. Check her out on Twitter, because she's lovely. <clears throat> hey, Aficionados, I just wanted to l- let you all know that I think the reason the stream- that Stranger Things uses Anne of Green Gables in both the Polywog and the season one finale is because of all the similarities between Eleven and Anne's stories. Both of them were removed from the care of their parents. Anne's parents died and Eleven was kidnapped. Both of them went to live with abusive people who hurt them, both emotionally and physically. Both of them now have to deal with the loss of a close male relative dying. I know Hopper's alive, but Eleven doesn't know that yet. Mm-hmm. And their personalities, both Anne and Eleven, are both very curious by nature and have a temper, justifiably, and are very willing to help others. There's one really obvious difference. Anne is the most talkative human on Earth, and Eleven barely speaks when we first meet her. <laughs> I think the Dungeons & Dragons theme, I guess this... The show uses a similar to the ongoing story of Anne's imagination throughout Anne's Anne of Green Gables. I might be reading too far into that last one. And then she said, Demogorgons and Green Gables, Isra. <laughs> Thank you, Isra, for that insight. I have not read Anne of Green Gables, so I'm glad that someone has and is able to offer that uh, those thoughts. Nice. I think that's definitely, especially like, you could already kind of put together that contrast or that yeah. parallel. Mm-hmm. Um but, like, having someone lay it out like that is like, oh, okay. But, like, I mean, with with the fact that they're actually using Anne of Green Gables in the show is yeah. how you know that it's definitely purposeful. Yeah. Like, already, even if they didn't, you'd be like, this is kind of similar to Anne of Green Gables. So, yeah, I definitely think that's what they're going for. Thank you for your thoughts. <laughs> My mom made me visit her house when I was on vacation, like, when I was a kid. And I have hated nothing more in my life than visiting the Anne of Green Gables house. <laughs> Why? I I hated Anne of Green Gables. I was, what you know, like, I was one of those kids who wanted to read space stuff. I did not want to read about Anne of Green Gables. Because it's, like, Canadian, like, like pop culture lore. And, oh, God, I hated it. But, like, now it's, like, the thing that everyone's obsessed with. And I'm like, really? That thing that I was forced to read in school? I think that the, the show's probably really good. I, I, I I've heard the show's it. amazing. Yeah. Like, it's just not my cup of tea, but, like, I've heard it's incredible. So, um, what we're going to do is we're going to do the Nancy and Jonathan storyline, including the few, um, the few scenes with Steve. And then we're going to move on to Eleven. And then the big, long storyline is going to be all about Will and the kids and everything. So, you said Nancy and Jonathan, and I got upset. But then you said Steve, and I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I can bear any pain as long as it has meaning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're starting with Nancy and Jonathan, and I did the summary for that. Woo! At breakfast, Nancy asks Karen if she can have a sleepover with her friend Stacy. Karen says that sounds like fun. Nancy packs her overnight bag and meets Jonathan outside. They head out. At school, Billy continues to be super mean to Steve in particular. In the showers after class, Billy teams up with Tommy H to be giant jerks about his breakup. Jonathan and Nancy wait for Barb's mom at the park. They get spooked, so they try to leave, but they're intercepted by people from the lab. At the lab, they get isolated and then talk to Dr. Owens. He shows them all of the upside down stuff and admits how Barb died. Nancy and Jonathan leave and it's revealed that they were recording Owens' voice. They now have evidence. Dun dun dun. Okay, so that storyline was actually way shorter than I thought it was. Yeah. 
Okay. So the Steve stuff is kind of like in the middle of this. Do you guys want to start with like the Steve and Billy stuff and then go back to the beginning with the Nancy and Jonathan stuff so that it's more sure. together? Okay, so the Billy and Steve storyline is literally two scenes long, but I have a bajillion thoughts about it. <laughs> That's Just because it actually has a lot of layers. Yeah. So um, Billy and Steve are playing basketball, and for some reason, like, I'm like, hey, coach, have you considered putting Billy and Steve on the same team so that Billy can not antagonize Steve as much anymore? It's like such a... Like, it's a good example of how much that coach just doesn't care. I'm like, do you understand that these kids are all bullying each other? Also, it's funny because Billy's like, are you afraid the coach will bench you now that I'm here? Bro, do you not know how teams work? <laughs> if, if Steve was the best player, and now you're the best player, Steve is still going to be playing because he's the second best player, you see. Oh, yeah. He's not going to bench you. <laughs> he's not going to bench Steve. That doesn't make sense. Right. Like, he would have to have been the fifth best player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe, is I, I mean, is that what he's implying? Is that Steve is, like, fo- so far down the totem pole? I, I don't know. I don't, like, it's unclear. But in that case, wow, Billy, the bar was pretty low for you to be good at basketball. Yeah. And then he, like, wins and then gives Steve basketball tips. Yeah, that's the thing that I don't understand. I'm like, if, if this was any other show... I'd be like, oh, like, is Billy actually kind of into Steve? And so he's trying to, like, bully him because he doesn't really know how he feels about him. But no, it's just Billy being a really weird bully. It's just really unclear. I feel like that one moment is really inconsistent with literally everything that Billy has ever done and will ever do. Do you think that's how he thinks he has to make friends? Do you think that's how you make friends? I don't think he's trying to make friends with Steve. Then what the f*** is the motive? I have no idea why he does this. But then, and then he, like, full-on, like, acts like he's gonna help him up, but then doesn't. He's just so mean. Maybe he's trying to, like, shore Steve up to be a better, like, competitor to him. I don't know. He's like, give me a challenge. Maybe. Oh, you know what? That's totally it. So, there weren't, um, showers in my... Like, there were, what? but they... Like, there were, but they were, um, like, blocked off. Oh, okay, yeah. You ours, know, like, there ours were, were like this. They were, okay, so is everybody naked or are they in their swimsuit suits or what? Like, we didn't, we didn't use them. Well, ours were in junior high. They were like this mm-hmm. and, um, we didn't use them because it made all of us super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, of like the idea of just showering next to each other naked was mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school we had our own stalls. Yeah. Cause there were stalls in both my middle school and high school one. I'm just confused as to, like, like, do they have, like, swim trunks on? Or, like, is everybody just, like, naked all the time? I think you're just- I think they're naked. Yeah. Which, like, I'm like, please stop. Like, let kids have privacy. They have- they get so little of it as it is, you know? I feel like it says something about Tommy H. and Billy that they're, like, fully naked mm-hmm. and still able to have so much confidence to, like, bully Steve. Yeah. Right. Like, that must take something. I'm like, are you guys just trying to, like, deflect? Like, what's going on here? So, Tommy knows that Nancy's off with Jonathan, somehow, I guess. Be like, what do you- do you have spies? Do you have people watching? Probably. What a weirdo. Billy calls Steve pretty. You're welcome. Like, (laughs) I agree, but it's weird coming from you. See what I mean, though? He says that, um, he- that Billy will leave Steve some- some bitches. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. Yeah. And we'll talk about how much he sucks in another storyline as well. Mm -hmm. But, like, the type of passive aggressiveness that it takes, Steve literally just puts shampoo in his hair, and then they just, and then, like, the passive aggressiveness of just, like, turning off the water and walking away when he has shampoo in his hair. It's just, like, why? It's It's so so niche. It's so mean. Yeah. Honestly, like, when people are, like, that casually cruel, I'm just like, get a life. What? You're, You're weird. You're a weird person. It's just that, like, Steve 
it like amazes me that Steve doesn't he doesn't say anything. He doesn't have any lines in in this scene. He just listens to them. He doesn't do anything. He could he yeah. could engage them. He is fully like in my mind, he's completely chill still if he just punches Billy in the face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he that's fine. You know lose no points for doing that. But he doesn't. He doesn't engage them at all. Mm-mm. Which is like, I mean, that's what like, you're taught to do, right? Like, don't engage a bully and they'll eventually get bored. And it's like, actually, I mean, that's not true. So don't teach kids that. Mm-hmm. But like, I wanted him to stick up for himself. He's just like, they're kicking him when he's down. He's already really sad. Yeah. And they're like, well, whatever. We take joy in that. Ugh. It just, it's just uncomfy. Mm-hmm. But it's like also realistic because like people, people are that mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I know one loves bullies. Ugh. Like, I know that Tommy H is a literal garbage dump, mm-hmm. but, like, mm-hmm. Steve, last year Steve was your best friend. That's probably why he hates him so much. So pathetic. And now, now Billy's here, and so now, now he's friends with Billy because he just, like, gravitates toward the worst person. Big mm-hmm. dog on campus. You go where the power is. Oh, fully. Tommy is 100% a follower, not a, he has no creative thought or, mm-hmm. like, initiative of his own. Exactly. Yeah. I, like, don't even really know how to- I feel like I have so many more thoughts about this, but, like, I don't really know how to, like, quantify them into words. Like, it just makes me so genuinely angry. <laughs> no, yeah. Seeing someone bullied makes- should it's make infuriating. you infuriating. Like, Joe Keery has no lines in this scene, but he heckin', like, is so good, because you can see how hurt he is. Yep. Uh, it's great. Thanks. This is a Joe Keery stan account? It sure is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nancy and Jonathan? <sighs> Let's do yes. it. Just get them it's over a, with. Yeah, it's a short storyline. Um, so last season, Karen wouldn't let Nancy or Mike go anywhere. But of course, now all that stuff is over now. I guess. Um, Jonathan left a note for Joyce because she was sleeping. And then Nancy tells him that he doesn't have to do this, but he wants to. Um, it's hard for me to, like, figure out Jonathan, like, his motives. It's like, half the time I'm like, is he doing it because he thinks it's what what's right? Is he doing it because he's trying to get revenge for Will or trying to figure out what's wrong with Will? Or is he doing it because he has a crush on Nancy and he wants to spend time with Nancy? You know, like, it's hard, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, like, what are his motivations? Things? Yeah. I think it's all of them. Mm-hmm. I think, like, it, one thing doesn't have to be the ultimate truth. I think, like, he... He knows it's the right thing, and bonus points, he gets to spend time with Nancy. Right. Oh, you know what I forgot about the Steve stuff? What? He's, like, washing his hair. I thought it took him, like, hours in the morning to do his hair. Like, doesn't he say later this season, or, like, yeah, later this season that he, like, has, like, that hairspray or whatever? Mm -hmm. There's no way he brings that hairspray to school. (laughs) 100% he brings that hairspray to school. No, he's embarrassed embarrassed that it's Farrah Fawcett. Damn it! Yeah, so I'm like, how, why are you washing your hair now? I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Like, why not just, like, leave it oily and then, like, make that part of the style? I don't know. I was just like, huh. Interesting. Right. Okay, but what if he does smuggle it into school and he, like, tapes over the label? <laughs> oh, yeah, or something. Yeah, like, something so that he's not as embarrassed, but, like, he still gets to, like, wear his hair the way I just he feel to. like his, his whole thing is that it's, like, effortless. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't even know if he would do that. He'd be like, what? This is just how my hair is. Yeah, this is just how it looks. It, this, it's natural. Yeah. Okay, so Nancy and Jonathan are at the park, and I thought they were waiting for Barb's mom, but then they say give him time. No, I thought they were waiting for a conspiracy theorist. No, I thought they were waiting for their parent, for for Barb's parents, but I thought- Well, she called Barb's mom. Like, I think that the person who she's talking about when she says give him time is Dr. Owens. Really? Well, their, their whole plan is to get on the phone and say, we will meet you here, and then have them come get them so that they can record- Owens 
Owen's, like, admission about, like, Barb and Will. Oh, right. So all of this actually was a very elaborate ruse and that Owen's wound up doing exactly what they wanted him to do. You know, I always thought they were dumb. Ah, I think that's fair considering um, Jonathan's there. Yeah, I always assumed that because they say give him time and like I don't think they know that Dr. Owens is there so they probably like either are just assuming it's a man or like that Dr. Brenner is still there or something. Oh, yeah. Because I'm just like... Hmm. I don't know. I didn't, I just, I never thought it was like intentional that they would get caught. Like I thought that was a plan they like used once they did get caught. Well then how did they already have the recording device? Maybe they intended to record whoever it was that was going to meet them at that park and then they didn't know they were going to be taken to the lab itself. Oh, I always assumed that was the whole, that whole thing was part of their plan, but... I'm just confused now. But let us know, uh, listeners, let us know what your thoughts are if you think that Nancy and Jonathan are super, super smart, just a little bit smart, or real dumb. <laughs> let us know what your thoughts are. So lots of people, creepy people are watching and following them. Um, my notes are all in the vein of this was their plan all along, because that's always what I assumed. But, yeah, right. um, so their car is broken, so they get a ride to the lab. And then, of course, when they leave the lab, then they, first of all, their car is like magically there. Like, they've moved it. And also, now it's, like, suddenly working. Like, oh, wow. Why put them in the room together? It's interesting that they don't, right? like, Because don't they split Hopper them? and... Joyce. Yeah. Oh, split yeah. Hopper and Joyce, yeah. I think probably to, like, hear if they have, like, a plan or just, like, oh, listen yeah. in on what they're going to say, I guess. No, yeah, that's actually probably, probably exactly yeah. it. Owen says that he knows that they've all made mistakes and he's, like, really sorry about everything that happened, but he wasn't responsible for that and the people who were responsible... <laughs> for what happened, are gone. So he's yeah, like, like... And he's telling the truth. Yeah, he's like, I'm doing my best. I'm trying to do stuff. Like, the man is genuinely telling the truth yeah. as lo- as far as he knows it to be. Right. I mean, when I first watched the season, like, the whole thing is like, is Dr. Owens, like, a good guy or a bad guy? And you get, like, good guy vibes from him, but you never know. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the season, it is revealed that he is actually a good guy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now we can kind of talk about the concept of him... Literally just being like, I'm sorry, but I'm the guy who they called in to fix this. I'm not a bad guy. Exactly. He's like, I'm actually just trying to do my best here because Mm -hmm. this could be like a thing for the Russians to spy on us with. And that sounds like a bad idea to me. Mm -hmm. And like the foreshadowing of the Russians in season three was like there in season one. And now they're making it more and more apparent. Like we probably should have seen it coming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like the Russians, you're like, well, yeah. So Dr. Owens thinks that they are dating and Jonathan levels up, but he does. (laughs) But he's like, what? No, huh? Interesting that you would say that. We're not dating. If I were a scientist dealing with like the supernatural and like portals and stuff, I wouldn't stop to inquire about a teenager's like relationship. Yeah. I don't know. It's like Murray is like extra creepy about it, you know? Like he's super creepy about it, but like Dr. Owens and like Flo in season one and everything, like adults don't care as much as much as it really um like is made out on this show. Yeah. That like we care about I mean, listen, I love a romance. I'll mm-hmm. listen to you, but I'm not gonna I would never assume people were dating. Right. Because when they say I'm not dating, then it's not like I'm gonna be like, ooh, I'm just gonna be like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, because like I think it's different for us though, because we would also be like, oh, like I don't want to assume your sexuality, I don't want to assume your relationship. Like it's just kind of good manners to not do that. But I, obviously, that's evolved since this time. If I was ever to do something like that, I would probably like pull the girl aside and be like, hey, what's going on here? If I were to do anything, I would never say it in front of both of them because I don't want to make people uncomfortable. Exactly. So Dr. Owens shows them the gate and he's saying that they're trying to stop it from spreading. Um, The Soviets could try and replicate it. So that's season three. 
Um, so he says, please take a chill pill and let me do my best. Thank you. All right. That's, those are his exact words, actually. Yeah. So they go back to their car, which is mysteriously fixed and also not at the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it turns out they were recording it and they're like, we're going to burn this place to the ground. So I have questions about like the implications of this. Okay. So does them quote unquote burning it to the ground at the end of the season actually lead to the Russians finding out about it? At the end of the season, like, the army gets called in, but I don't think it's because of Dr. Owens or anything. It's because all the demodogs were there and everything. No, well, I'm saying, the, like, does, would Nancy, are Nancy and Jonathan responsible for everyone finding out about this? Oh, with them, like, oh. sharing the information? Yes. I would or say that the, it's, like, I don't think so because they water it down enough that it's not, like, yeah, they're spooky like, things happen. It's the government covered up a missing girl. Okay. Yeah, it's, like, all about Barb instead of, like, all the scary stuff. So the Soviets must have figured it out about, like, some I think way. it's very similar to, like, space race um, energy of the 1980s and, like, the Cold War and all of that. Um, like, they're all working on it at the same like time. Like, they were, they're, like, work, both governments were secretly working on this creepy technology at the same time to use it as a weapon, and one of them got there first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So in between this storyline and the next is usually where I would do um actually mm-hmm. or uh actually. Yes, of course. Um actually is copyrighted probably. Wait, my, what? My college humor. Oh, right. Um, they have this game show called Um Actually and it's really funny. Gotcha. But for some reason, the IMDb page for this episode in particular is like barren. And I don't know if it's because they didn't make very many goofs. I think it's that. Or because nobody cared enough to go on there. <laughs> Who's to say? But um, I don't have any um actuallys this episode, so we are going to move on to the Eleven storyline. I think that it's not that no one cared, because these people care so much that they correct tiny little things, mm-hmm. which means no one messed up in this episode. Mm. There were like, there was like one goof that I put, but it's in the, I think it's in the kids storyline, so I just put it into the... It's probably better anyway. Binny, you did the summary? Yes. All right, Hopper and Elle. Eleven returns home and Hopper is pissed. They fight. I remember screaming like that as a teenager. Hopper grounds her for leaving. No egos and no TV for a week. Then when she talks back, it's like more than a week and then it's a month. And then, you know what, basically it's all of time and he rips the cable out of the TV. Elle freaks out and shatters all the windows in the house. My temper tantrums were not like that. (laughs) <laughs> the next day, Hopper tells her she can have some stuff back if she cleans. Eleven cleans and finds a hatch in the floor. Under it is a bunch of boxes, including one labeled Hawkins Lab. In it, she finds files that tell her about her mother, Terry, and she decides to try and contact her psychically. Her mom is pretty comatose, but she succeeds in reaching her. Terry calls Eleven Jane. She disappears, and Eleven calls for her mama. That's like the whole Eleven chunk, basically. Yeah. Lit. It's pretty small. The big, like, the, it's, like, usually cut into thirds, but this time it was, like, quarter, quarter, half. Yep. So when Eleven gets home, she already knows that she's in trouble. Uh, yeah. Oh, fully. Why did it take her until dark to get home? Because last time we saw her was, like, right after school, right? Because they filmed this on different days. Honestly, I think she just took her time. Yeah. You know? Took a walk. Like, why not? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it probably took her, like, half the day to get to school because she was walking around and, like doesn't know where she's going. Yeah. So probably, probably his, also probably because his cabin is probably out in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. So like it takes a few hours to get to it. Mm -hmm. So Hopper is understandably angry. Mm -hmm. She says, no one saw me. And girl, it was like immediately after school. Like 
Like, a lot of people saw you. It's, like, interesting to me that, like, their school kind of completely just, like, just totally emptied out. Mm. Because in, like, my middle school and high school, there's probably still people in there for, like, several hours. Oh, yeah. Like, clubs, teachers. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm surprised that there was nothing in the gym after school and that, like, Mike and Max were able to go in there and, like, chat or whatever. Yeah, there were, like, no sports or anything. Yeah. No, this makes sense to me. Because it's a small... It's it's a a small small town. town. Oh. I also was from a small town. Sure. Okay, so I kind of see both of their sides right now. Oh, fully. Yeah, where are you guys on the, like, argument? They they both have valid points, but Hopper should have called Joyce the minute he found Eleven. Because he does not know how to parent a teenager, and he does a really bad job of it here. Like, this argument is bad, and it's his fault that it's bad. Yep. Because he's the adult, and he's supposed to act like an adult, and he does not in this scene. Mm. No, he matches her energy instead of, like, actually being a parent. And it's like, you know a parent's at the end of their rope when they're yelling, but that doesn't excuse, like, how far he takes things. Yeah. Like, the, t- the part of me that remembers being a teenager understands every part of why Elle's upset. Mm-hmm. She's been locked inside, she doesn't understand most of the world, like, and mm. she's also, like, this supernatural being- who, like, is only just discovering her powers. Like, of course she's going to be stir-crazy and want to go out and explore. She also knows that she did something wrong. Like, you can you can tell she knows she did something wrong. Yeah, she's on the defense. She's on the defense, and she also has been the victim of Hopper breaking a lot of promises to her. So, as much as, like, Hopper's, like, his sheer desperation to keep her safe is understandable, the lengths that he goes to to do it, it makes perfect sense to me why Elle rebelled. Like, you can't lock a kid down like that. Right, like her having this reaction is completely fair. And I I get what he was trying to do in, like, not telling anybody and trying to keep her completely safe. But Joyce and Mike and Will and, like, all the boys and stuff all already know that she existed. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't see where the harm would have been in at least getting help from Joyce. You know what I mean? And I think that's part of Hopper's kind of control freak tendencies. Because as much as, like, he likes to pretend he's pretty nonchalant, he's also a pretty explosive dude. Yeah. He totally is because in this argument, like, you're the adult, you need to stay calm. But instead, he's very immature about it. And he yeah. just says whatever he can to hurt mm-hmm. her feelings. Mm-hmm. Because Hopper himself is not very emotionally mature. Yeah. You know, he's funny and he's charming and he's a great person. He's good to have it in a, like, a crisis. And he's really good at, like, atoning for things. Like, he knows when he's made a mistake. And, like, he's, he's extremely parent. He's extremely protective. He's just, like, doesn't know how to channel that into... He doesn't know how to talk about his feelings or, like, channel that into healthy, like, conversation mm-hmm. without Joyce. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, you need help! <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair to say that there are a couple toxic traits in Hopper. That doesn't make him a bad person. But it's, like, it makes him a person. Well... Another thing is, it's just like, I, another thing on, on his side, I see from his side, literally, it's been over a year of, like, him having to lie, not that he should, because he should have told Joyce. Right. But, but he's been lying to every single person that he knows. Mm -hmm. He has put in the most amount of effort into this one thing, things that Eleven doesn't even see. Yep. He... He is constantly going to the to the lab, and so he has to see all those things. He and made a deal with the devil there, too. Yeah. Like. But he's put in all of this effort. Like I said, he's put in all this effort that she hasn't even seen. Mm-hmm. And so I understand being frustrated that today, every single thing that he did for a whole year in his life 
could have been completely ruined. Yeah. And he's even, like, not only has he had to isolate Eleven, but he's had to isolate himself. Yeah. You know, he hasn't, like, you know, he used to be kind of a ladies' man. We saw that in season one. Yeah. He hasn't seen anybody. Presumably he hasn't had anybody over. He, you know, he's just, he doesn't. he's lonely as well. And he yeah. has a supernatural, like, person living in his house mm-hmm. that he also can't control. Like, she could kill him at any time. Yeah. You know? So, like, I think there's a desperation there to control everything around her. Not only to keep her safe, safe, but to, like, keep his sanity. Yeah. So, yeah, no Eggas, no TV for a week. And that's literally everything she has. Yeah. She yeah. doesn't... I, I don't think she knows how to read. So she can't yeah. even, like, have any books. No. Nope. Because like, I don't he, think she knows how to read. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. It's pretty clear in the opening episode of season three that she has, like, learned to read because she has, like, a book on, like, speaking, like, American English. Yeah. And she, like, we see her reading magazines with Max, I think. Yeah, and comics. So she has learned to read, but she still doesn't go to school. No. Like, she's at a, like, even though she's at a very high level in, uh, like, compared to other people, uh, you know, Mm powers-wise, like, intellectually yeah yeah she's not she's not on the same level and i mean like she never got to be a real kid right so her developmental skills are gonna be way lower so like he's not only dealing with a teenager with superpowers he's dealing with someone who like didn't learn key things as she was growing up like she's going through puberty without any problem solving skills and he doesn't know anything about it either so he can't help her no a lot of her instincts are very much like a kid borderline toddler instincts it seems like the few people who know about her in season three, including like all of our main characters mostly, and I think that's basically it, mm-hmm. that seems to be working out real well for them. So yeah. I just wish he would have done that in the first exactly. place. Exactly. Because it seems like everything is better. Right. Like, I feel like this isn't that specific example is an instance where the writers were like, wow, the writers were like, no. Kobe, shut up. <laughs> Before writing season two, they were like, oh, this is how we're going to split everybody up. And this is what we're doing. And we're going to isolate Eleven and blah, blah, blah. And then the reaction to that was like, why didn't he call Joyce? Mm-hmm. What? And then season three is like, here's what happens uh, if he had called Joyce. And it's like, thanks for wasting my time. Oh, this is what you should have done last year. And it's, it's disappointing because like after this episode, Eleven just like goes off on her own in a storyline that I don't give a crap about because I only care about one character over there. And she's not even one of my favorite characters, to be perfectly honest. So like, what was the point? This is how I, like Stranger Things always sort of isolates its like groups of characters each season and like has them, it comes out as a unit all at once so usually the season is like one long arc yeah uh rather than like episodic stories and uh so i feel like season three really improved on that formula way better than the than season two does because season two has see and and season one season one has will completely isolated because he's gone yeah and season two has 11 completely isolated because she can't talk to anybody Mm -hmm. and it's like not really satisfying to have them gone for so long apart from the group because like what you love about the show is like the group dynamics yeah and then season three they did they still isolated like groups of people but they had group dynamics that you were interested in in each like section so like you had joyce and hopper together you have 
Dustin is separated from like the main group. Exactly. But yeah. he's with Steve and Robin and exactly. Erica. He's he's isolated. He's the one that gets isolated from the group right. this time. But luckily he has so much good rapport with like a completely different group. Like one character who we already knew is like his best friend. Another character who, like, was basically irrelevant this season, but then, like, stepped up. And then another <laughs> character who was literally brand new, and it's, like, one of my favorite mm-hmm. storylines. It just works really well. Yeah. Um, so, like, you you can isolate them, but you have to put them with other people that, like, we are invested in and caring about. Or it's going to be like, why? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, like, as much as we care about Hopper, Hopper's story is that it, it's most interesting when he's working with Joyce or working with the group. Like, you have to pick the right combination of characters, but you're not going to know it until you, I guess, see it, right? And, like, Hopper and Eleven together are great and, like, very compelling, but they, There's like... a lot of toxicity. They need, yeah, they need those other people around them. Both of them do. I I love the choice this season to put Dustin with with Steve um for obvious reasons because it's great yeah but like in season one could i have ever made that like prediction or like see that before like absolutely not right so like i'm just like amazed that they were able to like see gayton and joe's like personalities and just like do it and Mm -hmm. just like put them together and it literally made magic but like i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on i might have mentioned this on one of the season one podcasts or something but originally um the duffer brothers had wanted to make steve like really horrible this season oh really yeah like to the point where like nancy would blow him off and steve almost became i don't know if it was almost or if they genuinely wanted to make steve a rapist but but that was their like plan First of all, we don't need another show with rape in it. I don't want that. Second of all, they literally brought this up to Joe Keery, and Joe Keery <laughs> said no. Like, yeah. he's not a, he's not one of Good. the writers. He's, yeah. has, he has no right to do that. Mm-hmm. But Joe Keery was like, I don't see that for him. I don't think that's who he is. I don't think you should do that. And they were like, hmm, okay, we won't. And you that's, think that's why, why they brought in Billy? That's probably why they brought in Billy, because they needed somebody to be garbage. And Ugh. it certainly wasn't going to be Steve. Good. Like... God, that would that That's would suck. so that would have been so shitty. Yeah. Why even have that thought? Because they're men. And men shouldn't be allowed to make choices sometimes. That's true. I just like I can't now looking at him now, like I cannot see that for him. He was No, ew. Because here's the thing, he was never that guy. Because we see right. we truly see who he is this season, and he's like literally the best. But like we like, did a whole we did a whole podcast on season one and like the guy Steve alert. Yeah. You see all of these tiny little things that he does that like like that that was never who he was. Like, that was never that guy. Like the first time you watch season one, you're like, dang, Steve's kind of a dick. But then by the end of it, it's like, wait, no, he's not. Yeah. You get to the finale and the last shot you see of Steve is in a happy relationship with Nancy being kind to Jonathan. You can't get there. You can't go from there to a rapist. Like yeah. it just doesn't like after having after having done something wrong but then fixed it, apologized and like ditched his garbage friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how I don't know how you regress him that far back after that. So but- I'm like I know, like, they didn't do this, which is good. I know, and like, I'm they did, but I'm, like, still angry that they even <laughs> have the idea. So I'm like, that's the last thing any of us need. But, like, you can see that sort of, like, mentality still in their writing because of the way they write Hopper in season three. Yeah. They have him yell at Joyce so much. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a line where you can have them banter and, like, bicker and, like, it's fun. It's cute, yeah. But, like, the repetitiveness with which he, like, 
hounds her about talking to other men yeah. is like he that's her. not yeah. how he would like it just doesn't make any sense because yeah. like he doesn't do any of that in season two when she's dating somebody yeah, yeah. And, and literally like, just billy as a character right they, need, they were like for some reason we still need a talk like a super super toxic man right why you needed one i don't know but on in, a- in a show about a girl who has supernatural abilities and a boy who can go to an alternate universe you know what you don't need Toxic rapists and territorial men. Does, like, I don't know what this show would be without Billy because I think that he does add, like, something that- He gives you somebody to hate. Yeah, he gives you somebody to hate. He gives you a contrast, so, like, it makes you like Steve even more because Mm -hmm. originally Steve was the bad contrast. It was Jonathan who was the good guy. Yeah. Was Jonathan perfect? Absolutely not. But a good boy, a bad boy. A good, good bad boy. boy! Exactly. So Steve is the good bad boy, and mm-hmm. um, Jonathan was the good boy, and Steve and Billy is the bad boy. Exactly. But basically, in the first season, Steve was the worst option. That was the whole point of him, is that he was the worst option, and Jonathan was the better option. Yep. And now this one, they're directly giving you a parallel of Steve being the better option to Billy, and it's so successful, because Billy is so trash. Yep. And I don't know, like, without Billy, was it going to be that Steve was still, like, obviously Steve was going to be still be the worst option. So, like, it's even, it's more, it's better now because it wasn't just, like, the same thing again. It was just Steve being bad and Jonathan being good again. Exactly. But, but Billy really does add something to the show, I think. He adds, like, a contrast and, um, like, he, he, not representation, but, like, he, he doesn't give representation, but he does represent a type of man who was there at that time. It exists today. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if I, like, would say that I like the inclusion of Billy, but I don't think that if I had to choose, I don't know if I would get rid of him. Hmm. Fair. That's fair. Anyway, back to Eleven and Hopper. Oh Whoops, God. we talked about Steve too much again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next question. How do you guys feel about Eleven saying that Hopper is, like, um, Brenner. I think in her mind, that's a completely fair thing to say. Yeah, at, at this point, I get it, but it's also, it's both of them saying things that they don't hurt. really mean yeah. just to hurt each other. Yeah, he, she knew that that would hurt his feelings yeah. because he, that man was literally a monster. Right. See, whereas to me, I think that the things people say in anger are the things that they harbor the most resentment about. So I think, (laughs) nice, nice. I think Eleven actually does feel like he's Brenner in some ways because she's trapped. She's not allowed to do what she wants. He's lying. And he lies to her. Like, in her mind, those things are not dissimilar. Sure, no. Like, I'm not saying that she doesn't think there are similarities. I'm saying that she wouldn't have said that if she wasn't trying to hurt him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she doesn't mean it. She doesn't think you're exactly the same. She knows he's a better person. Mm -hmm. But she knows... They're similar enough, and he's upsetting her that if she says this, it'll make him up. It'll hurt him. Yeah. I mean, that's why the writers made the line, you're like Papa, and not you are Papa. Yeah. It's a simile, not a metaphor. (laughs) So Hopper says that he can send her back to the lab if she wants to go there. I mean, can he? But he, I mean, yeah. He never would. No, he never would. Yeah, that's just another thing. Like, that's him trying to hurt her back. Um, so she throws the book at him, and they blow out the windows, and this was actually all practical effects. There was no CGI, uh, on blowing out the windows. Yeah, that was practical That must have been really scary as an actor to just have glass smash all around you. Well, it's, like, it's fun to get to do stuff with, like, green screen and stuff, because then you get to be like, I'm really acting now, Mm -hmm. but, like, 
the viscerality, is that a word? I, I think so. Sure. Of, of like a practical effect and something like that, that mm-hmm. happening is like, it's like so real and it's so much easier. Yeah. And so fun. I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, so in the morning he still can't get into her room and he was very clearly going to apologize, but for some reason he changes his mind and tells her to clean up instead. What do you guys think changed his mind? Like there's this moment where he's like gonna apologize and he chooses not to. I think because he can't get into her room. She's still locking him out. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that that instinct to act on emotion instead of, like, logic and all that. Like, he he doesn't want to seem weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't want to break- he doesn't want to break- break down. He doesn't want to be the one to- Cave it's like, first. It's a, ga- it's a game of chicken and he doesn't want to lose. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you're playing this with a little girl. Yeah. He leaves, uh, she tries to fix the TV, and she is cleaning like he asked. I really wish that I could clean this way by just, like, using my brain. Right? right? So she finds the basement, and she finds the box about the lab, and she finds Terry Ives's file. She claims that her child was stolen, and her name was Jane. There's a photo of her and Brenner. Um, Eleven tries to find her, but she's unresponsive, and it seems like she's kind of stuck in the upside down as well. But she- and she can feel that Eleven is there. Yeah. I feel like that's the only place that she's, like, properly coherent. Yeah. Is in the Upside Down. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Because that's not technically the Upside Down, is it? Oh, we called it- what did we call it? We called I, it the Inside Out. That's what we called oh, it. Oh, right! <laughs> no, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, My brain kept referring to it as the void, and I'm like, I don't think that's right. Yeah. So we've got the right side up, which is the normal, and then we have the Upside Down, and then we had we called it the Inside, the inside Out. out. Yeah. I love that. We are so cute. <laughs> um, Hopper- told Eleven, we saw in like a flashback last episode, I believe, Hopper told her that she was gone, that Terry was completely gone. But he meant, like Eleven must think, oh my god, Hopper lied to me. Mm -hmm. But in reality, he meant like she was like gone, like mentally. Exactly. But she thinks Hopper lied to her. I mean, I can kind of see that because again, she doesn't really understand nuance of language. Uh So she disappears from the uh, inside out and Eleven cries. And it's that. Man, this show low-key kind of is about Eleven constantly searching for a mother and a mother figure. Mm-hmm. And I don't- I, I hope that the show understands that what she's been looking for is Joyce. Well, they put her with Joyce at the end of season three, right? Yeah. Yeah, so finally. I'm, I'm hoping that that's them understanding that. But they yeah. just really have a lot of thematic things where she's looking for positive female influences. Because, you know, Eleven is always surrounded by men. Yeah. And, like, in season three, you can see them trying to fix that with Max. But I'm like, okay, now she needs a mother figure. Like, she needs a mother. Yeah, and, like, Joyce is there. She's been there the whole time. Exactly. That's why it's, like, so annoying that Hopper's, like, not gonna bring in Joyce. Because Hopper literally saw how important, like, that contact with Joyce was. Yep. At the end of season one. (sighs) Alas. Yeah. Um, Do you guys have any other thoughts on that storyline before we move on to the biggin? The biggin? Don't think so. Uh, No, I don't. Okay, cool. So, um, while Robin takes a small break, um, we are going to talk about Patreon, which is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. So, like, us, for example. Um, our donation thresholds start at $8 a month, which gets you basically early access to our pods and, um, a postcard once a year for our anniversary. And if you donate over $5 a month, you also get a 10% discount to Robin and I's, like, art shop which is shopbelux.com where I make like resin art and she makes embroidery so if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com slash the 
But if you don't have a spare dollar because times are weird, um, just tell a friend about our podcast. That's good enough. That's a great commercial, baby. Thanks. I currently only have one Stranger Things design. It's Steve. But I think it's really awesome, so you should go look at it. It is. All right, now we're going to do the bigger storyline, which is Will and the kids. And Sam um, took one for the team and did a giant-ass summary for that. Yeehaw! Let's do this. I. <clears throat> Everyone finds Will having an episode on the football field. The boys speculate over whether it's true sight. Mike won't let Lucas tell Max what that means. Joyce talks to Will to try and figure out what's wrong, and he's been taken by the mind flayer, so it's hard for him to talk to her. He tells her that it's like a feeling, and he's so scared he just wants it all to be over. Joyce promises to protect him no matter what. Joyce sleeps in Will's bed that night to keep him safe, and he his eyes move rapidly in his sleep. The next morning, Joyce calls the cops looking for Hopper, but he still isn't there. Will wakes up and he feels he still feels weird. They take his temperature and he's considerably colder than a normal human should be. He says that he just feels weird, not cold or sick or any other type of um, different. She promises no doctor, so they decide to run him a warm bath. Dustin has Dart again. He's feeding him more nougat. The rest of the gang is still looking for Dart, and Dustin doesn't tell them that he already found them. He poorly flirts with Max, and she thinks he's still weird. Mike notices that Will isn't at school, and back home, Will drains the tub and tells... Joyce that Joyce not to fill it back up because he likes it cold. Flo tells Hopper that Joyce called eight times and he takes off to meet her like a bat out of hell. His wife is calling. Yeah, eight times. Hopper gets to Joyce's and she tells him to leave the door open. She has it cold for Will. Hopper asks him about the shadow monster and he says that now he just knows things. He doesn't have to be told. He tells them about his now memories and the things that the shadow monster makes him see. Joyce has a brilliant idea to let him draw what he feels and Will starts scribbling away. Mike calls a meeting to discuss Will. He excludes Max because he's a brat. He tells the others that they need to find Dart and if they want to help Will. This would be a great time for Dustin to tell them the truth. He doesn't. Will continues scribbling indistinct lines and tubes and scribbles and Joyce figures out that the lines connect. It's a puzzle. She and Hopper start connecting the lines like a giant map. Lucas tries to include Max but she's tired of them treating her like garbage. She's confused and fed up with how they act and... Like they want to be her friend, but they keep leaving her out. He's surprised to learn that she knows about Elle. She tells him he she's out, and then Billy sees them talking and decides to be a huge racist about it. He demands she stay away from Lucas and is so violent about it that Max cries. Mike goes over to see Will, and Joyce doesn't want to let him in, but he knows it's about the shadow monster, so she decides to let him in. Dustin gets home, and his mom foreshadows dead muse because he's not running for his dinner bowl, and then didn't... Dustin goes to his room to find that Dart has evolved again, and he is definitely a tiny Demogorgon, and he's eating the cat. Hopper figures out that the puzzle is vines, and he goes out to the pumpkin field, where he digs a hole right into the upside down. The vines! End. It's vines! That was excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> that took so long, Robin, and I had to pull up wrestle behind your back. I know! <laughs> it's a long, it's a long, uh, storyline. Yeah, it's not your fault! We just, we had fun. Um, Joyce breaks the speed limit to get to the school. Respect. When she drove in and skidded to a stop, I deadass thought it was Billy driving like an asshole. <laughs> Alright, ready for this concept? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm hoping that when I say it, all of you will go, ooh. Okay. Ooh. Like, that's how, that's how please time. <coughs> okay. So Joyce breaks the speed limit to get to the school. It's the concept of putting other children in danger to get to hers. Stop! I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. Interesting. I know that you're right, but I'm upset about it. Like, that's what that one shot was for, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, fully. I just want the Duffer Brothers to know that I saw it. <laughs> I you. see you. I'm with you. So, Will is getting messed up by the Upside Down at this time. Um, does Max believe it yet? Well, I don't- no? She doesn't know, really. No, I know, but, like, they're like- I think Lucas was like, scary things happened last year, don't bring it up. And she's like, what? Okay. 
No, she doesn't yeah. believe it still. Yeah, I think, like, like Max, or Will is, like, standing in the middle of the thing having, like, an episode, and she's still just, like... She doesn't believe it until next episode when he tells her at the arcade, and even then, it's, like, he has to be completely serious about it. Yeah, he needs evidence. For her to be, like, oh... Like, for all she knows, they're just, like, making fun of her behind her back and, like, telling her all these things as reasons, like, to not be friends with her because they secretly don't want to be friends with her. Well, it's interesting that Lucas speaks openly in front of her. Yeah. But then when she asks about it, he can't say anything because of Mike. And it's like, it just breaks my heart because she, she so clearly so badly wants to be a part of their group, but at the same time doesn't want to. Well, that's why why it's nice that, like, Mike finally goes and hangs out with Will, and then it's like, now that Mike is in Will's storyline, now Dustin and Lucas are free to, like, talk to Max like she's a person. Exactly. And then, like, I think it's, like, those three and then Steve. Yeah. In the rest of, like, the thing, which is great. She deserves the world, truly. I've said it before, and I will say it again, Noah should have won, like, an Emmy for this scene. fully should have. Fully. Noah should have Emmys for everything that he does in this season. Yeah, season two is Noah's best Best. season like he's incredible like the poor kid spends the whole season being possessed yeah stressed sweaty or crying Mm -hmm. same so how much at this point how much of him is will and how much is the mind flare because i think right now it's like starting at like five percent or ten percent and as the season goes on it gets more and more yeah i was gonna say it's obviously very low right now because like the entity can barely speak through him right but joyce fully believes him and now he knows that Joyce is willing to listen to him and she's like there for him. Yeah. It's so nice to have like a parent character just believe their kid immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She says that she'll never let anything bad happen to him again and I have some weird news. If she can control it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was, um, when we were watching, I was like, there's just something comforting about hearing that from a mom. Even if you Mm -hmm. know that like it might not be true, hearing it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. I feel like, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, without having even seen the season, I feel like you watch it for the first time. She says, nothing bad will ever happen to you again. You just kind of go, ooh. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're like, well, the season is not even half over, Joyce. I, I don't know and, about that. And it's Will. Yeah. And so far, we've seen some bad things. Yeah. Well, to me, like, it doesn't quite play like that to me. Because like, what do you mean like that? Well, like, like a say. foreshadowing of all of the bad things that are still going to happen to him. Because, at least from, like, it doesn't play, like, naivete on jo- Joyce's part. No! Not no, no, I no. don't think that either. She's genuinely very serious about protecting him. Yeah. Which like, is great. Because, like, a lot of people will say, like, nothing bad will ever happen to you ever again. And, like, it's naivete. But, like, with Joyce, it's a genuine promise that mm-hmm. she's going to do every single thing in her power to keep him safe. Yeah. Even yeah. if that's, like, even if her power is not enough. Yeah. Like, if she has anything to say about it. He'll be safe. Mm-hmm. Like, she literally, like, I'm pretty sure at the end of this season, she, like, chokes the monster out of Will. Basically. She has to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan comes home in the middle of the night, and Will is sleeping beside Joyce, and his, but his eyes are, like, going crazy. Yeah. He's having a hard time. Yeah. He's in REM sleep for sure. <laughs> so Joyce calls the police again, and he, she keeps leaving messages about Will. At that point, the reason why Hop isn't there is because he had to run away and look for Eleven, yeah. so that's why he's not there. Will still feels weird, but he doesn't have a fever. He's actually kind of cold, so that's weird. Already, like, having watched it for the first time, you're like, okay, so something is very yeah. obviously off. Something bad happened to him last episode. He so. does not have the coronavirus. He's several degrees colder than he should be. Like, four or five. I wrote the I wrote the note, haven't woken up yet. Probably won't wake up for a few episodes. Woken up yet. 
Is that about Will? The monster? Maybe. I think the monster doesn't wake up until the beginning of episode six. Uh-huh. Um, like, it's... I think episode six is my favorite. I really like episode six. Like, five through the end of this season are great. Are we even gonna do a seven? I think... I mean, we have to. I just, like, I literally haven't seen it since I watched it the first time. I like I mean, that we don't episode. have to do anything. If we don't... Uh, no, we should. I mean, we to. should. I, I did schedule it out that way. So... Um, so Dustin feeds Dart, and when he gets to school, the kids are checking the dumpster for Dart, and I think I said this last episode, but, like, I don't, I'm not upset at Dustin for, like, finding Dart and hiding him. I am upset, upset with him for, like, continuing to hide him. Like, he knows that Mike is gonna kill Dart, so he protects Dart from that. But then after that, you tell your friends that he's there, and then but then you keep your door locked so your friends can't come in and try and kill him. You know what right. I mean? Like, Lucas is literally inside a dumpster. <laughs> yeah. And you're not telling your friends. Yeah. It's not, not a dick move. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Max stands beside Dustin because Lucas smells bad. Um, <laughs> Poor Lucas. There's a fun fact on IMDb that said, uh, during the dumpster scene, Max moves away from Lucas, claiming that he stinks. However, the movement of her hair in the breeze reveals that she actually moves downwind, <laughs> downwind. with him. Oh, no. That's actually really cute. Oops. Also, I want to talk about how Lucas just jumps out mm-hmm. of Boing. that dumpster. Yeah. Like, he boys, like, with his legs up over the side. I was like, that that literally is something out of a movie, the way that you jump like I that. I was like, sir, how much track and field have you done? Exactly. <laughs> High jump. So then we go to Mr. Clark's class and they talk about how all organisms flee danger. Um, And I think that's supposed to parallel he likes it cold, you know, like Will won't get into the bathtub. Oh, right. So Will doesn't come to school and um, yeah, the bath is too hot. He likes it cold. Joyce is called eight times. Hopper finally shows up and he's like, it is very cold in here. (laughs) It's like, really? Do you think? Why do you have every door and window open? It's November. Mind your business. Will talks about how all of these like now memories are happening at once and something is spreading and killing. Joyce knows her son and knows that drawing is easier for him. Like if it wasn't for Joyce, I don't know if they would have ever figured this out. You Mm -hmm. know what? You know, like she's really important. It's just more a a further testament to the fact that Joyce is a really good mom. Yeah. Yeah. I am so excited to see Joyce in 11 next season. Yeah. Like I am sad that Hopper is missing and like am Sad that that's probably going to be the person who's isolated all the next season. Yeah. But Joyce and Eleven is something I've wanted since, like, season one. Because, like, they had such a good little connection in season one. And I just, oh, it's going to be so good. Well, season four is supposed to be the last season, right? I was just going to ask. Yeah, they said they only wanted to do four seasons. Well, they haven't confirmed it as the final season. Okay. Like, they're not advertising it as final season. Let's let's look it up. But I would believe. Yeah. Because, like, when Lost ended, um... ABC was going to give them several more seasons, but they specifically said, like, no, the story's done. They said it's likely to end after its fourth or fifth season. Okay, so maybe five. Yeah, I would I would guess that they'll... I guess it depends on how this um, pandemic goes, hey? Yeah. Like, The Independent says that it's a two-part, four, like, final season with season four, but that's The Independent. They say it might be late 2020, but they don't say if it's the final season. Well, it's definitely not going to be late 2020 now. I would say, like, maybe halfway through 2021 or, like, Halloween time. Because it's, like, either July 4th or Halloween is when Stranger Things comes out. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if it's 2022. 
Like, some people are calling it the final season, and some people aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the Stranger Things writer's account and, like, the Duffer Brothers and stuff aren't marketing as it as the final season. Mm-hmm. They're just marketing it as Stranger Things 4. Yeah. Um, okay, so Will draws the map. Um, to be perfectly honest, I find it hard to believe that they could have ever put this together like a puzzle uh, <laughs> unless he was doing it like in order he had to have been doing it in order it's just like I, it's like if he was doing it in order then like great but when they're like looking at them and everything they're mixing them up and everything so I'm yeah. like how are okay whatever <laughs> um, it's a, just a really weird puzzle so Will is not answering the phone um, and I like the through line of like the buyers and phones yeah mm-hmm. um, I just like see that theme Always yeah, calling, never getting who they need to talk yeah. to. So they don't allow Max to come in. Um, Lucas and Dustin apologize, but they go along with Mike's garbage. So like, right. like, at what point do you stand up to him? Exactly. So Mike tells the boys about Will's visions and everything. Um, Dustin is the only one who knows, like, all of the D&D lore. Like, they literally turn to him and just, like, and he just, like, spouts <laughs> He's it. He's like, okay, wait, I got this. And he's like, but life isn't D&D. And I'm like, okay, well, to be honest, like, it didn't mess you up last season, though. Right. So who's to say that all this stuff isn't true, you know? Exactly. So there's a fun fact on IMDb, um, and it tells us a little bit more about True Sight in the Dungeons & Dragons lore. Okay, good. So True Sight is a Dungeons & Dragons spell that allows the caster of the spell to see invisible, displaced, and astral objects. The subject could see into the ethereal plane and other co- coexistent planes the upside-down world in Will's case. The spell could tell a creature's alignment and intentions by looking at them, which may be why the first views Will has of the creature show it in a dark cloud with red tones denoting the evil intentions of the creature. The spell was first introduced for the original Dungeons & Dragons as part of the illusionist spell list in Dragon Magazine number one. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so I feel like that spell is the right right spell to have chosen. Yeah, they picked the right one for sure. So if we find Dart, um, it will really help Will. And Dustin still doesn't say that he found Dart. Yeah. It's yeah. like, at this point, at this point, you're putting Will in danger after all of last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that I think is the most negligent part. Like, Luke is going in dumpster, yeah, that sucks, but also, if you're Dustin, maybe that's kind of fun. Yeah. But Will being in danger, that's the point where you're like, oh, it's time to say something. Yeah, it's hard for me to continue being on Dustin's side at this point, and it's interesting that the first person, I mean, he tries to tell Max and Lucas. Yeah. But the first person that he is able to tell is uh, Steve. So it's nice that Steve does have I think it's because he's not going to get any judgment from Steve. Right. In terms of, like, because, like, everything he's saying is kind of unreal. Well, it's interesting because he doesn't know Steve. No. Like, at this point, he doesn't know that he's not going to get judgment from Steve. He just just needs somebody and he knows that Steve has a bat with nails in it. Exactly. Right. He's like, okay, so you can help me with my problem. (laughs) So Will is still drawing all of these pieces of paper, and I gotta say, he could have just drawn it on a smaller scale. (laughs) But okay. You know, like, Bob later would still be able to tell which things are which lakes or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. If he had just done it on, like, let's say, like, a wall's worth of stuff rather than, like, the whole (laughs) ass house. And then it might have been easier to put it together. Hey, you leave him alone! (laughs) Um, So they need Bob to figure it out, obviously, and... It's great because then we like, now it's like, sorry, Hopper, but Bob the Brain's coming in and he's the one who's saving the day. Ugh. So Hopper figures out that it's Vines. Um, and Sorry, I love Bob. It's just like, sometimes I don't understand the choices made here. But anyway. What do you mean? I'll explain later. Do you not like Bob? What do you mean? I like Bob. I just, sometimes they give some of Pop- Hopper's hero moments to Bob and I'm like, Well, it's only what? this season, right? Yeah. I feel like it's, I don't know. I feel like Joyce gets more of the hero moment. That's yeah. fair. 
I also feel like like this is one of the only things like this is the part in which next episode I believe is the part where Bob is like most like actually needed yeah, yeah. and like if it weren't for this moment he wouldn't really have a purpose yeah <laughs> but I do agree with you with like the final but like if they had given that to Hopper then Hopper would have died exactly mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right you're right you're right Ignore me. So Max is mad at Lucas. Um, she thinks that they want to be their 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 friend, but then they treat her really poorly. Mm-hmm. And Good for her for sticking up for herself. This is totally fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. I literally I love Max so much. Yep, she's so good. I'm so proud of her for doing this. Mm-hmm. So Lucas says that they can't tell her because it will jeopardize her safety. And but they didn't keep secrets from Elle because it was different. But how is Max supposed to know what's different about it? Right. What exactly. She, what she thinks is, oh, it's different because she was a different girl and you like her better than me and she's better than me or whatever. Yep. Like she has no idea like in what way it's different. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Billy. Ugh. So Billy saw Max talking to Lucas and he's racist. So great. That basically sums it all up. Like, yep. I feel like. This is the, like, you can kind of already guess that he's racist, Mm -hmm. but this scene is, like, the first scene in which it's, like, pretty apparent that he really is actually racist. Yes. And if you're a Billy apologist, you can still, after this, be like, oh, he just doesn't like him for other reasons, you know? But then, like, as the season goes on, you're like, no, no, it's a racism thing. Yep. It's a racism thing for sure. Like, I, this is, I think I just don't understand being a Billy apologist. Yeah. Because there's nothing redeeming about this character. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay for a character to not be redeeming. It's like the obsession with Kylo Ren. And I'm like, but what if he was just bad and did one good thing towards the end and that he was still a bad person? Yeah. I retweeted a tweet recently that reminded me of this. And I put, and then I like quote tweeted it. I said, this is about Billy. Yeah. And then there was like a bunch of people who were like, this is about Snape. This Mm -hmm. is about Kylo Ren. This is about whatever. Let me find it. It was a good I tweet. Exactly I liked it. What you're yeah. thinking of? Is it? Oh, this is okay. So it was written by at Sapphic Gansies. Mm-hmm. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Redemption arcs where the character immediately dies after doing exactly one nice thing and avoids doing any actual work to be better aren't satisfying or necessary. It's so much more important to show them putting in effort to improve. Yeah, and I totally agree. Where like I'm fine with it as long as they're not treated like a hero. Yeah. Like, if they're treated as someone who did one good thing after a lifetime of bad things, acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. Sure. If you deify them and make them, like, Severus Snape, who was a very bad person, and you don't acknowledge any of those bad things, then it's like, well, that's just lazy. Yeah. Like, for Billy, I get get the thirst over Dacre. He's a babe. Yeah. But- That's where it stops. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you can- you can thirst over Dacre and, like- Acknowledge that Billy is a steaming pile of garbage at the same time. I just did it. Dacre knows that Billy is a steaming pile of garbage. Dacre is not trying to get you on Billy's side. Dacre's doing his job and playing and being a professional and playing a garbage person without being a garbage person. Exactly. That's what acting is. Being a different person, you see. (laughs) Ooh. I'm a professional, I can tell you. I'm just learning something new. So, yeah, Billy automatically thinks that Lucas is causing Max trouble. He says you should stay away from certain people. Ugh. You're racist. That's just no, not even coded language. And he's literally so rough with her that she cries. Yep. And it's like, imagine making someone as tough as Max cry. And having no regrets. Exactly. I, you know what? I just remember what I was going to say is um, if they open season four and Billy is like memorialized Ugh. and everything, I'm really disappointed. You know they're gonna. 
I don't know. I really hope they don't though. Same. Um, there was a fun fact about this scene on IMDb. Um, the moment when Billy grabs Max's wrist was not scripted. Oh. Sadie and Dacre worked that out on the day of shooting to increase the tension between the two characters. It works, for sure. They do a really good job, like, because that must be hard as two actors, especially when, like, you're younger. Mm -hmm. Like, especially if you're Dacre, being mean like that to, like, this sweet little girl must be really hard. Well, it's, it it is absolutely hard, but the most important thing is getting, is, like, knowing that there's consent there. Yeah. Because I, um, I did a rape scene once, Mm -hmm. and I did it with um, my friend Logan, mm-hmm. and literally every single time we finished, like, a rehearsal or, like, just, like, a go at the scene or whatever, he, like, came and was, like, apologizing and felt so, so, Aww. so bad about it, and I was like, bro, I'm with you. Like, we're good. Like, Everything we're the, is okay. We're on the same team. It's okay. Yeah, it, it is okay. I, like, I know who you are. That's really sweet. I know you're not that guy. Yeah. And I know you would never do anything like this, so we're good. Yeah. So, like, that's the most important thing is that clearly since Dacre and Sadie both, like, agreed to this and we're like okay with this that like clearly everything was okay there was consent there we're good it's neat yeah everyone knows that dacre isn't that guy yeah sorry i was just started thinking about the weird kiss at the end of this season because the duffer brothers made Mm. mike and 11 kiss and it was like millie's first kiss and they made her do it anyway wasn't that wasn't that sadie and and uh i mean they kiss also but i i i thought i read that somewhere well Finn and Millie had kissed kissed in season one. Well, maybe that's what I'm oh, okay. thinking about. Because I think that kiss. Yeah, they had talked about it in the Beyond Stranger Things that Sadie and Caleb that they weren't supposed to kiss, and then they sprung it on Sadie, and then she was like really nervous, and they made her do it anyway, and they did like a bajillion takes or something. Ugh. Why did they do that to her? Yeah, and like I remember when that came out, everyone was like, "Uh, this feels not great." Like all of the kid kisses make me like, Ugh, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm like, sure. Kids do kiss when they're, like, 12 or whatever, but they're if these are actors are children and they don't want to do that, don't make them do that. Exactly. It's not that crucial to your story. I think it was different in season one. I think, I think me and Brittany discussed this when it happened in season one, but, like, I think that Millie and Finn, when they were cast, like, the season was probably, like, mostly laid out and they were probably told when they got cast that that was the plan. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that was the arc. But, like, they literally just, like, told Sadie this was happening. You know what I mean? So. It's shitty. Yeah, that one wasn't great. I don't love that one. Oh, my next note was just, did nobody else see this? Like, is nobody looking into Billy's car and seeing him manhandle his younger sister? Probably not. Yeah. Like, and nobody says anything. Nobody's paying attention to people. Nobody's paying attention. And if they are paying attention, they're like, ooh, that's none of my business. Right. Because it's like, you know, it's the 80s. And um, no one, like, it was a lot easier to just be like, ooh. Well, not my, not my, not my circus, not my monkey. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then it is, like, for people to be like, hmm, maybe I should stop that large man from abusing his little sister. Or I should tell a teacher about it. Or, you know. Yeah, if you did that, you'd be like, excuse me, why are you abusing your little sister? He'd be like, oh, she's not my sister. And they'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's fine then. (laughs) Carry on, carry on. Probably. Have a nice day. Okay, so Hopper digs into the ground at the rotted farm. It's super gross. There's a lot of sounds. Mike comes <laughs> Yeah, Mike comes to Wills, but Joyce isn't really gonna let him in. But then Mike reveals that he does know stuff, and so congratulations, you are now invited in. Um, because obviously Mike has more insight into what Will was like right before this happening, yep. and mm-hmm. they kind of need him. 
So Dustin gets home and Muse is not eating the food. Dart is gone. He molted again and he's in the corner fully eating Muse. I can't what? even I can't even watch I can't even it's look so at this. Gross. It's so gross. It's so explicit. Yeah. I like I literally can't. I really hate that moment. As an owner of a cat who has interrupted this podcast multiple times, <laughs> I cannot look at like a yeah. dead like because I then I imagine it's him and then I like cry. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I did like Dustin has these colorful lights on his wall. Which are like reminiscent of season one, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like that part. Hopper digs far enough in, like, to jump in, and it turns out it is tunnels, like they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the, the iconic, like, upside down shot where it, like, turns upside it down. Oh, boy. I remember watching that for the first time and being like, yes! Yep. Like, it's so good. Like, cheering and also, like, kind of shook. Like, what's about to happen? We're like, here we go! Because this is, like, the fourth episode, right? And there's nine episodes, and yep. you're like, it's got to pick up at some point. Yep. And as soon as that episode ends and we get that shot, you're like, here we go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Brittany and I watched all of this season at Disney World for my birthday. It was such a blur. And I like every day I'd be like, do you want to go home and watch Stranger Things? And Sam would be like, no! We're I'm at Disney, Disney World! Yeah. I just wanted to sit and watch Stranger Things. Now I'm like, Brittany, what were you doing? Yeah. Like, stop that. Now we're going to move on to segments. My segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. So, Good Guy Steve Alert. Bro could literally punch Billy in the face and he'd deserve it. Absolutely. Good Guy Steve Alert, but he doesn't engage Billy or Tommy H at all. Nope. <laughs> Somehow. The amount of self-restraint. Wow. We stand. And my segment is how garbagey was Jonathan in this episode? Eh. One out of ten. Maybe two. He wasn't that garbagey. He was just kind of like he was. He was, he was there. Yeah. And he had that haircut. <laughs> he yeah. Just, he just looks like that. He so. just looks like he annoys me. Yeah. We were discussing at how bad the Byers boys' haircuts are. Yeah. And then we discussed which one was worse. And I decided I'd rather have Jonathan's haircut than Will's, but I would rather not have Jonathan's haircut. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> Like, I try so hard to, like, respect everyone's favorite characters and stuff, but with Jonathan, something about him makes me very upset. And I don't know what it is, and I'm so sorry. That's it. That's all I got for you. That's fair. And my segment is, did Joyce and Hopper acknowledge their obvious history? And, um, not explicitly, but they shared a scene and figured out a puzzle together, so I'm gonna take it. Close enough. Uh, now it's time for our Best Line Award. My Best Line Award goes to Hopper for... I'm probably doing something incredible right now. That is just like him to have that voicemail. He's such a dork. (laughs) And mine goes to Hopper for... Vines. He's drawing vines. He's drawing vines. Road work ahead. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I sure hope it does. Like, I I sent our group chat... Stop! I could have dropped my croissant. (laughs) I sent our group chat a thing the other day and it was like... TikToks I enjoy, but Vines I genuinely laugh at, and it's like it's still that way. Yeah, Vines are still more iconic to me, but I do love TikTok. Yeah, but yeah, that was why I picked that because Hopper watches Vines. I just we we were watching the episode all together, and Brittany heard that line, and we started laughing, and then we were just imagining Will drawing different vines on each of the pieces of paper, so like he would draw. Stop, I could have dropped my croissant. Or And they're just standing there going, what does it mean? <laughs> Two free tacos. <laughs> Brittany, what is your favorite vine? Um, <laughs> Sabra has all the best nutrients. What, what was it? Something like 0% fat and Zero trans- oh my and god, cholesterol. <laughs> What's your favorite oh vine? My god, cholesterol. Oh gosh, so many, so many. <sighs> my favorite vine is very, it's like, 
not very hipster of me, but I really love road work ahead. Mm-hmm. I got to meet Drew Gooden at VidCon a couple years ago, and it was genuinely just happenstance that I saw him, and I swear my heart fell out of my body. <laughs> I was so surprised. I think the one that genuinely makes me laugh the most every time I watch it, and I will watch it three times in a row every time I come across it, is uh, the one where she's like, well, if I wanted to go apple picking, I would have made a genius bar appointment. Ah! You're not Jeffrey, and then she throws an apple at the camera. <laughs> Actually, Megan, I can't sit anywhere. I have hemorrhoids. Just like it, they're so infinitely quotable. <laughs> Two bros chilling in a hot tub, five feet apart because they're, they're not gay. gay, and they were practicing social distancing. <laughs> I would five like to good. practice social distancing in a hot tub. I don't. I don't know if that would work. I just want to be in a hot tub, five feet apart. Or a pool of any kind. Oh, man, yeah, that'd be nice. Okay, and my favorite line award goes to Max and Lucas for... You still stink, by the way. Oh, shit. Damn it. I love him. It's like, like, Max is just like, whatever, I'm done with you. And then Lucas is like, damn it, this didn't go how I planned at all. And I still smell like garbage. (laughs) I smelled like garbage all day. He has no game. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's in the description. It's just perpetually open. So just tell us what you like about the show or some things that you think that we could work on. Um, we can't be less annoying, unfortunately. Um, but other than that, we would love to hear your thoughts. If you like The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. The final season is coming at some point. There's still no trailer. In fact, actually, the day that this podcast goes out to the public is the day that season seven premieres. So I assume we'll have a trailer. I look forward <laughs> By to <then>. being underwhelmed. <laughs> if you'd like to join us for the final season, we would love to have you. And um, after that, we're going back through the first three seasons because we didn't, we weren't doing them at, at that point. So we're going to do them. Oh, great. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we'd like to talk about that show too. Uh sometimes too much mm-hmm. um we love it a lot it's stupid but it's delicious we did the first four seasons unfortunately the last season was cut short by uh our friend rona mm-hmm. just kidding she's not my friend she's such a bitch but we will be on for season five and it just recently got renewed for season <laughs> six <laughs> so that's gonna be great i'm excited if you're a fan of lost we like to talk about that show too we did all of season one and we are all finished season two Woo-hoo! wow we really did that <laughs> It's going to take us a long ass time to get through season three as well because we're, we're currently posting monthly over there. We do have guests and it is spoiler free. So uh, if you're watching for the first time, you can join us and it would be super fun. You got lots of time in quarantine, right? Please hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that show too. Um, well, that whole franchise, but specifically Star Trek Picard. We did all of the first season and we're going to do some Star Trek related things soon-ish. We don't know what else we're doing yet. We just want to talk about Star Trek, basically. That's my favorite topic. Thank you. <laughs> you can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but I do post gifts of all of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. So um, come support me because, um, please. <laughs> <laughs> our patrons, patreon.com slash The Aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because this is expensive. Yeah. If you help us with $1 or more, you get early access and um, yearly postcard. If you help us $5 or more, you get 10% off at shopbelux.com. The links for Brittany's pages on there and my page on there are both in the description. So go check it out. Um, Even if you don't have the discount code. Yeah. That would be really nice. We make stuff. We do. 
Um, and if you can't help us out, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend because that's kind of like, that's kind of like, well, podcasts really neat, you mm-hmm. know? We really appreciate it. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is the R-I-T-T-A and I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Sam Casey's with an underscore at the end. Join us for our next episode, which comes out July 1st. Oh my god, happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day. Too bad nobody's celebrating. <laughs> anyway, it's Dig Dog. <laughs> episode 205 Dig Dog comes out on July 1st. I love this episode. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you, bye. Okay, bye.